Welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, a show dedicated to podcast advertising. If you're a podcaster or an advertiser and you're wondering how you can take advantage of this rapidly growing space, you're in the right place. On the program, we'll discuss strategies and techniques to optimize your experience with podcast advertising. Hello and welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and today I am fortunate to be joined by Daniel Kahn of Thought Leaders. Daniel is actually one of the founders of Thought Leaders and has been in this space for a while now, and I thought it would be great to have him on the show to talk about their platform and maybe some trends and different things that they're saying. Daniel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Heather. Always a pleasure. Nice to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. So why don't we start? Can you just give us a background on who exactly um, you are and how you came up with this idea of thought leaders and and what your presence in the podcast space has been like? Sure. Thought Leaders itself, uh, if you haven't heard of us, we're a sponsorship intelligence company. Our our focus is looking at the the world of sponsorship, multi-platform really. So we look at podcast, YouTube, newsletter, Focused on long-form content, that's really where our world begins as maybe distinct from influencer, which is a lot of sort of conversation in, in the industry about where those lines are. I've always been in a revenue background in marketing tech, personally, and I came together with David, who's one of the other co-founders, a few years back because he was a creator himself. He had a blog, um, a newsletter, and a podcast. It was called Hacking UI. It was for web designers and developers. And like many content creators, the principal revenue stream was selling sponsorships. There's other things as well, but that was uh, the main way of paying the bills, so to speak. And uh, what quickly became apparent as we were building it, that there was a lot of other creators out there that needed sales support that better than anybody. Mm-hmm. That There's a difference between creating and business building. And so we started to connect up with other creators in that space and develop all the tools that, that we needed to help sell advertising in there and to help advertisers reach the right audiences. So Thought is the culmination of those experiences and the development path of the last few years. It's a, it's a technology that we were using internally for you know, three years and then released as a SaaS in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay, gosh, I know that we've had an opportunity at True Native Media to work with thought leaders. And I guess it's crazy to me to think that you did release the the platform in 2020, because it feels like in my mind that you've been around longer than that. But the platform did just come out in 2020? As a standalone SaaS, yeah. So it was available for uh, a few years now for, for media buying and selling. So what I mean by that is is our original and principal business line was helping publishers sell media and also helping advertisers find publishers. So more of a network in that sense. And so there was two profiles of the platform that, that was had existed for a few years. One of them was an advert uh, for advertisers to actually purchase the media when they were a, a media buying client of ours. But on the other side, it was for publishers. So we actually have around 1,200 users of the platform on the media uh, selling side. That includes individual creators, but also pretty large networks as well in that group. Everything from Bloomberg and media conglomerates like that have a user in the platform. 
and they knew of us and it was that they knew what we were doing and bringing the media for it and they had that functionality but bringing the actual intelligence component has come to market in in 2020. Yeah, yeah. And I think the intelligence piece is so interesting. So to dive into that just a little bit deeper on the platform, you're able to see essentially what is happening in these different um, industries, right? In podcasts, YouTube, and newsletters. So you can go on the platform and you can see who, which companies have been placing ads, the podcast they've been placing the ads on, and really just the frequency of their campaigns. Is that the case? Do I have any of that wrong? Yeah, that's right. I guess the way that we look at this space is, uh, and the way we built the platform is, is content first. The original design and functionality of Thought Leaders was to bring in the feeds of the actual content itself, because especially when we were beginning, we were dealing with a lot of clients in the B2B space. That was mainly because Hacking UI was B2B publications, designers and developers. And the most important thing for them was niche. And understanding niche is understanding the individual conversations that are going on, who knows what they're talking about, really, who touches on something occasionally. So when we're designing the platform, it was a matter of, okay, where are these conversations happening? Who are the ones that have got authority of it? And by tracking the content, you also uh, are able to bring in which brands are featured, both organically and sponsored. And that's how it's, it's constructed. So you can... Search by keywords in the platform across these different platforms, multi-format or single format, depending on how you want to do your searching. You can search for brands that are featured and which brands featured with which keywords. And you can aggregate things. So you could feel you want to look at a trend. If you're a podcaster or if you're an advertiser, you want to understand how many brands are featured around a certain type of content. You know, when did true crime really begin? You want to ask these sorts of questions and how did it scale? That's what the, the platform can do as well. Interesting. And tell me how many, I know, obviously here in at this show, we're really interested in podcasting. And so I know you track the, the YouTube and the newsletters, but tell us in terms of podcasts, how many podcasts are you tracking on the show? Is there a certain number? We're at 12,000 today, but it's increasing you know, every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's where we're at in terms of our, our scope of what content we're bringing into the platform. Great. And I always am curious, how do you choose which shows you're going to bring in? Are there are you pulling from certain players or is it based on what you're seeing in terms of like trends on any of the, the charts? How do you pull those shows in? I'd say the main method is from demand, right? So at the end of the day, we, as I said, we sold media for many years. That was the principal business line. And Clients will come in, we have certain requests, and then it points the, the arrow in a certain direction of saying, okay, let's, let's bring in everything that these people might need in a certain area. So it's actually ended up in a really interesting mix of podcasting. Yes, we have all the big shows. Sure, that's being tracked. But some really weird and wonderful podcasts out there that, that various clients have wanted for very specific reasons. And that's one of the benefits we can do as a platform and, and the way that we're, we're built. It's... It's pretty customizable at Thought Leaders. Mm-hmm. So if a client's working with us and wants a certain area explored, it's not hard for us to pull in the entire history of a podcast or a series of podcasts over uh, a certain subject matter. Yeah, yeah. And that's so interesting because I think one of the challenges in the podcast space is certainly discoverability. If a, a client came to you, a potential advertiser, and said, hey, we're really interested in podcasts that are all about homesteading and that that's our target market, 
That's not necessarily super easy to find. Of course, we can just do a top level search and find any of the podcasts that say they're homesteaders. But really, if you're looking for a broader reach or or more in-depth information, that's where Thought Leaders comes into play because we can go on the platform, put in homesteaders, and then this is going to give us a list of the shows essentially that are using those keywords. Yeah, marketers know their companies better than anybody. So they're going to know who they want, more specifically, the language that is used for their target audience. They know what words are relevant to their industry. They know what the keywords are. So by putting in, giving them the flexibility to add a few key phrases that, okay, these are the serious ones, if they're using this phrase, and these are the amateurs, you really can build that very distinct profile in terms of who you might be after. The other thing is when you do that way is is because I mentioned before, we have these sort of brands table. You can see which brands feature around certain topics. You might be surprised who might else be featuring in that audience. So let's say we mentioned homesteaders. You might, there are obviously broad advertisers out there that are doing a lot of sponsorship over a lot of different categories. You might find that somebody's actually putting a lot of the time and attention into this. Now, these people, someone that does a lot of advertising mm-hmm. um, and you go, okay, here's a brand that I can use as a guide point to let me know that I know that their overall podcast program is working. And if they're investing in this space, then they're probably getting their returns off it. So there's a lot of clues. It's all about finding the breadcrumbs that other brands are sort of leaving in, in uh, leaving behind them. And so when I look at Thought Leaders, I think what is so wonderful about the platform is that you have just built this intelligence around a very broad kind of open source environment that we see in podcasting. And as you mentioned, it is about looking at those breadcrumbs, seeing what other people are doing, and then also making educated decisions about which directions to go. Because with all of the podcasts out there, sometimes it can be really difficult to determine which ones are going to be the best fit for you. So you've got essentially multi multi data points that you can look at to really assess, is this campaign essentially going to be successful, really? Yeah, correct. And it's also where the other formats come in a little bit. It's if you're a market from a marketer's perspective, right? So their podcasting is a significant part of their media mix. And it's interesting how people took to really come from two different angles. They're either coming from a sort of radio into podcast angle or from a sort of sponsorship or influencer into podcast angle, depending on how their teams are constructed and how they pencil it. If you're a podcaster, if you're a network of podcasts and you're looking at who might be entering the market, it's really interesting to analyze. So for example, so ExpressVPN, I think it was, mm-hmm. over the last year, it's really started to make some noise and waves in podcasting, but they were the first. But years before, they've been building up that profile in YouTube, and now you start to see their competitors. NordVPN, really, just in December, last couple of months, November, December, starting to pick up their advertising and clearly doing uh, some testing there. You start to see these weird and wonderful patterns of how podcasting is perceived in the marketing mix. It's the same buyers, tends to be. Might be slightly two different people, but on the same team, usually, that's doing this stuff. So there really is a lot of clues to pick up from about who's doing what and who's likely to do what in the future. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that you do analyze things beyond podcasts because while the information is really interesting and relevant as to what's happening today in podcasting or maybe what happened last week or last month, we also, as a newer industry that still has so much potential in front of us, should be picking up clues from what advertisers are doing in other mediums. And I do feel like YouTube is such a great parallel to podcasts. We have a lot of host-read ads that happen in the YouTube space. And I think that we can look and see, gosh, video still is a really huge powerhouse. And I don't think that's going anywhere. But if people are succeeding with these host-read endorsement type ads in YouTube, are they going to be progressing into the podcast space? And when is that going to be? And could those companies be really good prospects for us to you know, analyze what they're doing in YouTube and then try to bring them over to podcasts, which I think is pretty fascinating. Is that kind of why you created that connection is because you do see such a link between the two? It's also podcast podcasters are using YouTube as a distribution platform. So mm, the, right. the, the connections are really strong. If you take Joe Rogan, the great Joe, right? So he's, uh, he's got 2.5 billion views on YouTube. And you think of his podcast, his podcast first, but that's some serious traffic we're talking about. Ben Shapiro is another sort of very sort of prominent podcaster. Two and a half million, two and a half, sorry, 250 million approximately views on YouTube as well. So it's all about major reach and they're not alone. That being said, you have people like This American Life, who's also one of the biggest names you could possibly come up. They've got 8,000 subscribers on YouTube and stopped publishing things two years ago. So um, looking at the interconnection between them, what works between the two platforms, where there's an analogy, I think it's almost can say is if you're a podcast that is likely to work on YouTube, and I think that's really talking head style podcasts, interview style podcasts, rather than let's say storytelling podcasts, that is likely to work on YouTube, especially if you're able to film your studio. Then you can really look at the, the comparison in terms of the media, because it is it's absolutely one-to-one. It's host-read. If you take a brand like Raycon, for example, somebody's gone, that's a brand that's gone crazy in terms of their advertising in the last two years. But it feels like they've been around forever, but they didn't. Jan 2019 is when they really started getting busy. And the data around their podcast and their YouTube advertising, it's a graph that matches itself perfectly. So a big spike in the middle of 2019, and then a big spike in the middle of 2020, which is related to their own buying patterns. But it's one-to-one. And they're clearly looking at it in the same way. So who's the next one? Who's the brand that's going to come in and, and, and looking at what's the patterns there? Because whilst that spike is really overlapping, YouTube just started that a little bit earlier, that, that extra few months time. So if you're looking to be first to market, as a network or a podcaster, then you know who to be prospecting. From a brand's perspective, if you're trying one or the other platform first, there's a lot of lessons you can learn from looking at the other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you find that people do tend to enter YouTube sooner than they enter the podcast space? So is it like usually they're in YouTube and then they come to podcasting? Not necessarily. It really can change. And it depends... I think most marketers tend to start with the creator or the content that they've heard of. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the first buy, right? So I think there's probably a, diff- a sort of perception of, if, you know, on a product level. So if you're a, a online education platform, right? So many of them are around today. Or if you're something like a VPN, 
it's natural that you'll have started in YouTube first. But if you are a direct-to-consumer product or something in financials, for example, you're definitely starting on podcasts. You can see that very clearly or work-related, mm-hmm. anything sort of B2B or B2BC, like a, a zip recruiter or something like this, or legal Zoom, very clearly going podcast first and maybe dancing around and trying YouTube and, and newsletter. Mm-hmm. And then there's direct consumers just sits right in the middle in terms of it can go either way. Interesting. So I know that the bit of research I've done around YouTube has shown that typically host read endorsement type ads in the YouTube space are at about $100 CPM. And I find that it's always so funny because oftentimes brands will complain about the high CPMs in podcasting, and yet they are much higher as far as I can tell in YouTube. Is that something that you guys have seen as well? Or is that information that you guys have access to or knowledge of? Yeah, I think that's that's probably a high estimate for for YouTube. I think when you're talking about, I'm not saying that there isn't advertising that costs that much in YouTube, definitely is. And there's definitely podcasts that, that cost similar depending on their niche and their area. True. But I don't think anybody that is doing a, this advertising at scale and looking at it from an ROI or a ROAS perspective is paying that kind of money on either platform. Maybe off one-off one-off videos or one-off podcasts or somebody they really. I think actually it's, it's pretty similar. If you're talking about podcast industry averages around sort of twenty-five dollars, something like this. So that's the the perceived benchmark. I know it changes and goes up from show to show. It's not too far. There's more of a range in in, in YouTube for sure. There's far less standardization, especially as more creators. I think more creators are independent on the YouTube side when they're selling sponsorships than on podcasts. They tend to be more hooked up to a network on the podcast side, which means there's more of a uniformity or a standardization. But no, there's there's good deals and there's bad deals for them. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I'm glad that I asked you that. It's, it's nice to hear that perspective. So I'm curious because you have all of this rich data at your fingertips. We're yeah. recording this at the very end of 2020. Do you see see any maybe surprising trends or what has been most interesting to you as you've analyzed some of the data in the podcast ad space? I'm pleased at how robust this year has been. It wasn't obvious. If we go back to February, March, March especially, it felt like the world was going to collapse for our whole industry. I mean, everything in general for us, we feel the industry and it didn't. And seeing that Actually, the numbers have not just stayed constant, but they've actually grown in terms of the number of sponsorships. The number of brands has grown year on year from 2020 to from 2019. That has been the most encouraging thing as far as as far as I can see and I'm happy about. I think there's a, I think what's also interesting is the variety of advertiser that is coming in. There's more and more categories coming to market in terms of people that are interested in interested in this space across the board as more and more content gets produced a lot coming in around sports but for example when that starts to cross over as it will do to esports and gaming and that's not as strong yet in podcasts but it's big on youtube and the first few players have started to migrate their way over and that is an industry with a hell of a lot of marketing dollars so it'll be exciting to see that really start to come into the podcast and find its way into the audio soundscape because that'll be a big boon for everybody that's for sure 
Yeah, that's so funny. We were in at a game store the other day and they were closing our local our local store and the guy that checked us out was like, I don't know what this company is doing wrong because this industry is just made of money and there's no reason they shouldn't be succeeding. And I think you're totally right. I, I think esports and gaming and all of it is huge. And you are, that's a really good perspective that there isn't a ton of it. There is more traditional sports than there are the esports and the gaming. So that certainly is definitely a category to watch. Thanks for that info. And you pointed out something too that I think is really fascinating. Last I checked, and I'm sure the number's incorrect now, but there's about 1.6 million podcasts now this year. And I do think that with the development of new content, then we also have new sponsors that that come in. Obviously, with that, within Apple, we have specific categories. And sometimes I think, really, is that show good for that category? But it's like they have, I don't know how many, they have 20 or something. And if you don't fit in that category, you just pick one. Sure. But do you think that that with all the new shows and with new content, that that really is bringing new advertisers? And are you seeing that? Every month, there's a whole host of new advertisers coming in from all kinds of angles. It is a rich mosaic of, of brands and interests into entering podcasts. Everybody knows the big ones, right? It's nothing new and everyone wants a piece of that budget pie. Sure, great. But it's just fascinating to, to see the, the number of entries, especially I think in B2B, because I think with B2C, you, you, get, you do get put into certain columns, right? Mm-hmm. You are a director consumer or your consumer app, or you are some kind of consumer fintech or a few different key areas in that space. You can bring them down into subcategories, sure. But I think with B2B, it's so fascinating because there's a thousand different areas of interest that is highly specific, highly specific. What's the difference between sales technology and sales enablement technology? And which podcast do you go on? Yeah, those are difficult you know, conversations. I've had them. <laughs> isn't it? But that's happening. And every month there's more and more brands finding their way into their space. I think the challenges for a lot of brands, and I think that this is where, you know, we try and be part of the solution. There's many other companies that are trying to be part of the solution. As you say, it's a really new industry still. We're talking, it's been around a few years, but in terms of really getting going, it's the last mm-hmm. few years, yeah. right? It's, that's, when, that's when the curve's really gone. So until you've got the, the real norms established, reliable third-party data established, the barriers to entry are going to be still a bit high for a lot of people because at the end of the day, you can't do one podcast and mm-hmm. assess whether podcast works for you. Absolutely. Yep. I preach that all the time. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't just doesn't work that. So if you're thinking about a small brand who's, who's just getting into market and trying marketing channels in a variety of different ways, you can understand why more programmatic advertising still has its appeal because it's a lot more controllable in that sense. But the rewards are there for the ones that are willing to take a risk. And it's our job in our industry to help them reduce that risk with information. Mm-hmm. Right, That's the barriers that we've got to bring down. And you see it happening. More and more people are willing to take more and more companies are willing to take that leap in and see what it's all about, which is fantastic. So given the background you've had in working with advertisers, you just, I think, put a really good tip out there, which is you can't run ads on one podcast and assess whether podcast advertising works. What are some other tips or things that you have seen advertisers do to create successful campaigns? 
Excellent question. You've got to create and work with the creators that you're working with, basically. You've got to find an offer that's going to appeal. Oh, good. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> there, excuse me. It's the end of a long week. It's 10.30. Oh, no problem. I know. Yeah. It's 10.30 PM your time. Gosh. It's, it's yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, so it's pers- first of all, it's personalized, right? That's everything. Now I know there's a lot of debate today around host red, host red dynamic, pre-recorded, that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're coming into it for the first time, go for people, if possible, that know you already that are somewhat of a fan Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that are going to be the biggest advocates and they're going to be more willing to personalize their sort of experience and and personalize their story. And that goes a hell of a long way. Mm -hmm. Then it's that you've got to create an offer, right? Attribution in podcasting is tough. We know this. There's tools now that are making it a lot easier for for sure, but the click doesn't exist Mm -hmm. because it's audio. So until Alexa really comes in and says, has that kind of attribution is like Alexa take me to whatever that's not quite there yet we've got to rely on other another means so having an offer whether that's a coupon a specific landing page in terms of where you're directing them to and that's the other thing you've got to direct the traffic there but something that's going to be a real anchor mm-hmm. give them a give them a year free give them 50% off make it outrageous in terms of the the what you're willing to put on the table for, for their audience because that also helps that audience feel special and it feels like they're getting something from the creator that they're a fan of. So a lot of people do that really well. Some people do, don't do that as well. Mm-hmm. But I would say those are the fundamentals. At the end of the day, if, if you find somebody who knows and likes you and is willing to give authenticity, willing to mm-hmm. give their experience, willing to personalize it, if you can give them a really good offer to talk about and if you can have them direct it to a landing page, direct them to use the coupon. That's the foundations at the end of the day. I got there in the end. That's what pod is. Personalized yes. offer, direct. <laughs> nice. And yeah, yes. good. I, an acronym. Yes, that's, that's what the it acronym. is. An acronym. Okay, the brain's working now. The gears are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The gears are coming yeah. together. No, but yeah. I do think that is a really good way of looking at it because there are those three really important points to have that personalized offer and direct them to something yes. that really does allow them to see success. So in terms of when you, if you had a new brand that was entering the space for the first time, how would you suggest that they go about coming up with a strategy or coming up with a plan? Should they work with somebody like thought leaders? Is it better for them to work with an agency? How should a new brand be approaching a campaign if they've never done podcast advertising before? It's an excellent question. And I, I think it's really a personal story related to the brand and where they're at in their journey. If you know what works, right? If you, let's say, if you've got offers that really fly in other media, you've at least got a benchmark. So you can come into it and understand that, yeah, if I give 30% off whatever I'm doing, or if I'm giving a month free trial or whatever I'm doing, it's going to work or it's likely to work because I'm, I'm, I'm moving product in every which way. If you're not sure, or if you're not sure about your target audience, then you do have to come to any other marketing channel with an understanding that the first few months are going to be testing. And this is the, I think the, the single most important thing when you look at this in perspective, uh, this is going to sound bad, but it isn't most 
tests in sponsorship, not just podcasts, but podcasts included, most individual podcast tests don't work. That's the truth. If you're hitting a 30, 40% success rate in terms of the individual creators you're working with, that's good. But if you actually extrapolate that over time and you look at, well, because somebody that you're getting success with, you're not coming back once, you're not coming back twice. There's podcast relationships and that last for years. So when you do get it right, you're building something that can be a something that gives and gives on the individual creator level. So be patient with your own program. It, look for signs, look for clues of success. But if your first buy doesn't go as planned, don't necessarily be discouraged. You, what you would probably benefit from is, yes, you can do that with audience. You can also do it with agencies. You can do it with people like yourself who really know what they're talking about to help them identify the clues of whether something might be working or not. But that's across the board. Uh, even the, the biggest sponsors that you see today still years into their program fail with most of the tests that they're doing. And the name of the game for them and for everybody else is to limit the number of failures to, to even that, that one extra of every 20 creators that you work with, that, that one extra success is going to mean potentially millions and millions of impressions over a, a lifespan of your engagement with them. So be patient and look for the gems. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you make such a good point. I don't think that we talk about testing enough in the podcast space. I think there is this perception that it should work right out the gate. And the reality is that nothing works right out the gate. Like everything you have to test, you have to, what kind of offer is going to resonate? What kind of podcast is going to resonate? What is the host relationship like? Like you said, where are you directing them? What is the landing page like? How are you tracking the results? There are so many different elements that go into the success of a campaign. And I think what is so tricky sometimes is that brand new advertisers, they do try something and it may not succeed. And then they get discouraged because they're like, gosh, how come this didn't succeed? So I think that going into it, knowing, hey, we're running this test and it probably isn't going to give us a return on our investment, but it'll give us the learning that we need to go ahead and create a next campaign that will be successful and and it's so hard, right? Because when we're working in the sponsorship space and new advertisers come to us, of course, we want to say, hey, this is amazing. It's going to be great for you. And it can be, right? We certainly have had lots of campaigns where they get started and the first campaign is a success. But oftentimes when you are doing multiple shows, which you should be doing, you can say at the end of a run, gosh, these two performed much better than these two. So next buy, we're going to keep these two. We're going to eliminate those and add in two more. And I think that it's a constant process of iterating and figuring out the shows, the audience, the host relationships that are going to produce the results. And that is something that takes time. You can't just do that with the wave of a wand, right? Absolutely. Look, it says it all. There's advertisers that we all know that have been doing this already for a good few years. And I'm telling you, they fail most with most of their tests. So if they're failing for most of the tests, but it's still their overall program is growing in terms of the number of individual mm -hmm. episodes that they're appearing on over time. It's compounding. It says a lot. Yep. So no, go, go into it with, don't put the blinkers on. Uh, and I, for one, or what we do at Thought Leaders when we're working with brands from the media buying side, and, and for anybody who's buying the platform and is unsure, for me, a little bit of truth can hurt, but it's going to set them up and, for success in the long run. Um, 
telling them straight up there's a good chance that you're going to fail a lot of the time but what we're all about and what anybody that's providing sort of third party data is truly trying to do is to help you fail less that's what it is it's just to help you fail a bit less mm-hmm. and every incremental improvement in your success rate has an incredible amplification effect over over the years that you're working on this program so yeah Excellent. Gosh, I know we need to start wrapping it up. I'm curious, as we head into the new year, do you have any predictions for 2021 and what's going to happen in the podcast space? I'm always interested to see how podcast creators, especially because, you know, what we do specifically, where they distribute and, and how they look to find new avenues. And I noticed you for one is a big sort of advocate of getting your content out on, on LinkedIn I'm really interested to see what happens there. All these platforms are trying to find a means for you're a creator, creators like yourself to find points of distribution in new and innovative ways. And I think LinkedIn's one of them. I'm really curious to see the relationship between podcasters and Twitch evolve mm-hmm. over, over the period and continuing distribution on YouTube and, and seeing what happens there. So I think that's the interesting thing for me is, is really looking at this podcasting as an industry and, and it's its own you know, terms and technology, but actually you've got to really spread out over, the lines are really blurry. So seeing that as a phenomena is, is, is pretty fascinating to me and seeing where you, go, where you go next. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you are right. It is, I think so much traditionally in the podcast space, we have these very strict opinions of what a podcast is and what it isn't. And it has to have an RSS feed. But the reality is that there are lots of different platforms to create content. And ultimately, it doesn't necessarily matter maybe so much where the content is being created or how it is being distributed. And I think as we evolve as an industry, that's going to be a really interesting discussion and has already been discussed is what exactly is the definition of a podcast. And if you have a podcast that's just on YouTube, is it a podcast? Does it have to have an RSS feed? (laughs) All those things are so going to be talked about for sure. Absolutely. At the end of the day, if you're a passionate creator making great content and you found a way to build and connect with an audience, that's the essence of it all. Absolutely. Totally agree. And ultimately, advertisers are going to succeed with hosts, whether it be on YouTube or LinkedIn or a podcast when they are genuine and they like the product and they can speak highly of the product. It really is the same. It's just figuring out the the combination and making those connections and building those relationships. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the show. Where can people find you if they'd like to find out more about Thought Leaders? Come to thoughtleaders.io. Come and have a chat with us. Get in contact. There's contact forms all over the place. And we'll be delighted to answer any of your questions about data. And also you can sign up for our newsletter and our podcast, which is very good. But um, What's the name of your podcast? I don't know if I've ever listened. Really? It's the, it's the Thought Leaders podcast. The Thought Leaders podcast. I'm going to have it's to check thought, that out. Very, That's um, awesome. Burstein. Yeah, he does a great job. But really, in, we've got some great people on there that we're interviewing from across the content space. Like really some pretty significant players. So yeah, come check it out. It's great, really. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Daniel. Take care and we'll talk to you again soon. If you want to learn more about how to be a market leader in podcast advertising, reach out to us 
at truenativemedia.com.